a whale sized hamster would be terrifying. terrifying. <laughs> yeah, yeah, that would be. I would take a hamster sized whale. A hamster sized whale for sure. And like keep it as a pet. Yeah, right. Well, just like practically speaking, that's got to be the right answer, right? Yeah, I would say. I would say. Are so. you going to contain? Are you going to contain a whale sized hamster? You're not doing yeah, that. Honestly, it sounds terrifying. We are recording. All right. Recording. Three, Alex, two, when's the last time you ran a mile for time? Is it like presidential fitness days? Because like I think that's <laughs> dang near the last time I ran a mile for time. I think the last time I ran a mile for time was when I was training for the Twin Cities Marathon because we were doing a lot of timed running and interval training. Oh, really? Interval runs. Yeah. yeah. I'm surprised there's a mile a mile for time element to marathon training. Maybe I just really didn't train for my marathon and I just don't know any better, but. Well, I think what it was, was you run out and ran a mile for time. And then you use that to determine your training interval mm. time. So like, it was like at the beginning of the training, you could pick like, for me, I think the last race I had done before I started training was like six months before. So I could have used that to decide my pacing or you could run out and do a mile and then pick your pacing based off of that. Mm. Got it. Interesting. Yeah. Or lacrosse. I mean, lacrosse was like probably the last time I did a competitive <laughs> run. We had to run a mile for our, uh, not auditions, for tryouts. tryouts. We do a mile, mile run. <sighs> I love a good That's... sports audition. Uh, Connor, did you, you get remember? your haircut? You look, um, it looks sharp. A little, a little while ago. Thank you. It's that great clip special, man. They take, they take good care of you. Jordan yeah. just got a great clip special, and I was just giving ah. crap about how they butchered <laughs> the back. I just deleted like ten photos I was taking on my phone, showing him like you realize there's like a whole part they missed, like they missed it. Dude. Uh, true confessions this i just booked a haircut down here in texas and it will be the first time i have not cut my own hair since february wow yeah i've definitely when you cut it wait hold on like february like nine days ago or february no 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 like a year ago i literally haven't had somebody else cut my hair in a year but are you when you cut it yourself are you like buzzing it or truly like cutting it a little bit of both i like so what i would do is i would take um my like razor and i would put like a three in three eighths inch guard on it and just do my whole head and then i would switch it to like a little bit smaller one and then i would do like the edges and then i'll go a little bit smaller and then i would do here to like try to blend it wow. and i would get a scissors definitely not like you could definitely tell for like two or three days after I cut it and it was like patchy spots. It was like, I'm not seeing anybody. So it's like, doesn't matter. I, it's fine. I d- definitely remember complimenting your haircuts <laughs> last year. So clearly you're doing something right. Clearly. Uh, in high school, my mom, my mom colored hair, but did not cut it. And she was cutting my, at the time, high school boyfriend's hair. And 
it looked really good. I didn't notice anything wrong with it. But while she was cutting it, I was carrying my niece at the time, who was like uh, probably a few months old. And we slipped and fell down the stairs while my mom was cutting her hair. And my mom like reacted, but I didn't know that anything had gone awry with the haircut. And then my boyfriend and I go downstairs and we're hanging out and he goes to walk away. And I was like, there's like a huge hole in the back of his head that my mom had just ink and not told him. Just like Uh-oh. wasn't gonna tell it. <laughs> that is so phenomenal. My sister, my sister used to cut my hair in college, and notoriously, both with my brother-in-law and me, she both she did it to each of us, and she like forgot to put the guard on at one point, and then just totally just, just mm. like took off like the side of my head. Just as a healthy zero. Yeah. <laughs> yep, it was a new look for me. Yeah. Uh, it was a- uh, Did you stick I, with it or were you like, no, this is not for me anymore? Well, no, I thought, yeah, I let her continue to cut my hair uh, for a while. Um, I actually haven't. The only time I'm trying to think of like my progression of like having my sister cut it in college. And then during law school, I never would get a haircut until I went home for holidays and then my mom would cut it. And I don't think it was till like two years ago that I started going to uh, my guy in, in Minneapolis. And then obviously when I came to Texas or and then when quarantine started, then I started doing it myself. But now it's, it's time. It's time to put my hands back in the fate <laughs> of somebody else. A skilled master. <laughs> yeah, that is not me. That's for sure. Um, what's the weather like, friends? Uh, it's it's a ripe uh, single digit, maybe just above zero. Yeah, I think we I think we've dipped into the positive for the first time in like three days. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah, I'm looking at a balmy nine right now in Edina. Yep. Oh, that's actually sun's out bad. though. Yeah. So uh, it actually is supposed there's a low of it's a low of uh, 19 here on Saturday. Hey, you get yeah. some more snow. Yeah, I'm excited. Hopefully. What are what is the average temperature? Uh, it was 80 here on Saturday. Oh, that's, uh, that's a quite the whiplash. Thing. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. No, it's it's. I would say average day here is 60s. Mm. For winter. Yeah. Snowed one time, and it was existed for like two hours. And then it was warm again in like 16, yeah. 70. Yeah. Apparently, it was the first time it snowed here in like three years. But it's awesome. Oh, really? Yeah, it's awesome because then like I like want to go like work out in the snow and of course everybody is like amazed. This is like right. this is just another day and they're like, "Oh my gosh. That's so impressive." And I was like, "I mean, it's thank you, but it's not." It's, it just we, cracks me up. They're so like they're so cold averse. Well, I know friends that would when they went to college in California and everyone would just like have like layers upon layers when yeah. it would get into the fifties and it's like Minnesotans were like sweatshirts or, I mean, even like what I think is so funny, even in Minnesota, as it gets warmer in the spring, it's like 50 feels so hot. And I feel like mm. people are like in shorts and t-shirts, but then like come fall, it's like 50 and it's getting cold come summer and we're in like sweatshirts and we start to get yeah. into that fall. It's like the 50 for the spring compared to 50 in the fall is drastically different. Yeah. Oh, 100%. 100%. Uh, call me. Maybe I'm just 
reacclimating to the Midwest after my time in in Vermont. But I find myself like I'll I'll put a big coat on and I'll throw some sweats over some shorts or something, and then I'll be walking around outside in like negative ten. Like, huh? This is okay. This is okay. Mm. Yeah, I, I don't feel know. That. <laughs> yeah, it's the um, honestly the as long as it's not windy. Yeah, that's yeah. I'm good. I'm good with anything. As soon as it gets windy and it's like, it's then it's then it's always my my ears and my nose. Well, I feel like the sun makes such a difference too. Like if you've got like some nice sun coming on your face, it's a little bit more doable. Like yeah. today versus when you're like outside and it's overcast and yeah, the wind just like whipping you in the face. Yeah. Although it was pretty cold where like where, you know, when you walk outside and like your nose, just like it, like you take a breath yeah. of fresh air and everything just like, you're like, Oh, yeah. it'll sting. <laughs> that was, that was a fun, that was a fun first. The first time I felt the hairs on the inside of my nostrils freeze a little bit. Like the first time I like really got down there for my, my, one of my first Minnesota winters. Mm. Uh, that was a fun, a fun sensation. Well, I, to the, 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 what was it? The polar vortex two years ago. Oh, that was, that was brutal. Yeah. Like yeah. Super Bowl. It was like, let's get all these people to Minnesota and show them how wonderful Minnesota is. That's and then it was like right. the polar vortex and people were like, F Minnesota, it's horrible. <laughs> Why would anybody live there? And it's like, it's right. never actually that cold. <laughs> I assume you both watched the Super Bowl. I did. I did. Who were you guys cheering for to win? I was cheering for the Bucks. My old wide receiver coach at Augustana is an assistant coach for the Bucks now. That's awesome. Yeah. So I was cheering for the Bucks. And I was, I'm trying to start a new, cause you know how there's like, uh, I mean, maybe it's just like kind of a Texas thing, but there's like hook them horns for Texas. Mm -hmm. There's mm -hmm. sick em bears for Baylor. Yep. You know, and there's like, there's like other teams that have things. And I was like, I need to come up for one for the bucks. And so the best I could come up with is bomb them bucks. <laughs> Shooting cannonballs off the ship. Is that what you're yeah. going for? Yeah. Bomb them bucks. I like uh it. Are they going to be your new team? Like, is that your NFL team now? I love we our very first podcast. We talked of Gronk and his oh. like foray into wrestling, and how I I think we might have even speculated that he was going to come back to football. I don't remember, uh, but I will. He will forever hold such a dear place in my heart as somebody who is just like the exemplification of holding on to your inner child. And so I love forever. will love Gronk. Mm. Uh, Gronk well, is my about... boyfriend. <laughs> is, is Gronk the high school boyfriend that your mom watched? The <laughs> yeah. yeah. Jordan knows. He's like, who are you cheering for? He goes, "Never mind. I know who you're cheering for your boyfriends on the Buccaneers. And I was like, yeah, sure is. I was pulling up photos uh, of him, you know, when he's holding those little kittens. Yeah. You yeah. those photos. I don't, I love uh, that man with every fiber of my being. Have you guys seen the, um, well, first the T-Mobile the commercial that just came out with Brady and Gronk? Uh-uh. I don't know if I did. It's it's definitely worth looking up. The, the whole idea is like talking up how good T-Mobile's connection is, right? And so Brady and Gronk are FaceTiming and uh, Gronk is like, do it, man, retire. Like your feet will be in the soft sand. You'll be here in a week from now. 
and we can just like, you can come and join me in Florida or maybe I'll come and join you like blah, blah, blah. Right. And then it's like with a weak connection, this is what Tom Brady heard. It's like, you're soft and weak. You can't win another one. Come to Florida. Maybe I'll join you. And then it's really funny. It's really well done. That's amazing. Oh, that is really What was your favorite commercial? That's a good question. I really liked the Special Olympics one. Mm. Mm. Um, it wasn't even for Special Olympics. It was for something else. But was it the swim the one with the swimmer? Yeah, it was the one that like yeah. talked about pairing with pa- Paralympics. Actually, I think maybe it wasn't mm-hmm. Special Olympics. Yeah, yeah, the Paralympics. I think. Uh, but, yeah, like where they were one. talking about because she was adopted and they were sharing her story, right? And the yeah. mom, the they were like telling her future adoptive mom that, you know, she was born um, a paraplegic yeah. and yeah. the woman was like, yeah, we still, we still would love to adopt her. Yeah. I cried. Yeah. I loved that one. I think that was my favorite, but admittedly I didn't pay as close attention to the commercials as I usually do. Mm. I call it a hot take. I feel like the commercials were relatively underwhelming compared to what they usually are. Okay. Uh, it will never cease to amaze me. Some of those commercials, like knowing how much they cost, and it's just like, really? Right. Like somebody like approved that, yeah. like your budget the- to put, mm-hmm. like, did you guys see the Oatly one? Oh, yeah. The CEO is just, just playing just on the playing piano in the field, yeah. like, not very well. I mean, like, props to that guy, but like, what? I know. I did not, I didn't really get the messaging behind it like he's sitting in i'm assuming yeah. an oat field playing <laughs> I, think that's, music. I think that's kind of their their shtick like i've seen the only other advertisements i've ever seen for oatly are like on buses driving around the twin cities that say like we don't know how this ad got here but you should try some oatly and mm-hmm. that just kind of seems to be their brand position i don't know but like yeah. are they big enough to like have a super bowl ad that's what i always wonder is like I mean, how much do those commercials cost? A lot. To put on. <laughs> a lot of money. Like, I, I'm pretty sure, sh- like, people, like, I know that Reddit for five seconds, for, like, the five-second thing that they did, like, use their entire marketing budget. So I'm pretty sure it's in, like, for a minute, it's, like, a million dollars. Like, a, like 30 seconds. Interesting. I'm okay, sure we so can find it out. Is- this is okay. So I just I just googled it. How much does it cost to run a Super Bowl ad? And maybe this shed some light into why the relative quality of commercial was down. Uh, so it says the rate in 2019 was 5.3 million, and the average was 5 million for 2016, 17, and 18. Compare that with the 2.2 million average. Oh, in 2002. Wait, what about 2020? Oh, never mind. No, it's right up there. A 30-second commercial for Super Bowl 54 in 2020 costs around $5.6 million. That is insane. That's absurd. I got it. The best commercial was the Alexa one. Please tell me you remember it with Michael B. Jordan. Oh, I didn't see that one. I didn't see it. Oh, his hands down the best one. (laughs) This woman's That commercial is excellent. Talking to an Alexa in like a little circle and I think it starts off with being like, could you imagine it, her being in anything else? And then she like goes out the window and a bus drives by with Michael B. Jordan. And then she starts to imagine Alexa 
as Michael B. Jordan. And then he's just like there in her house. And she's like, Alexa, uh, like read me a book. And it's Michael B. Jordan, like reading this book to her. And then there is a point where they're in the tub together and it's like, Alexa, play me a song. And then her husband's like, whatever her name is like, what are you, what are you doing in there? And she's like, I'm in the tub. And it's like her and Alexa, but it's like, Alexa's Michael B. Jordan. I thought it was mm. pretty creative. Yeah. No, you would like it. You'd like that commercial. I expect. Uh, Connor, big news. I just found this out today. Did you know that Quinn 92 is releasing a new album on Friday? I did not know that. Now you do. The big now, question that we need to figure out is how many of those songs that John produced slash wrote. I hope, I mean, selfishly, I hope all of them, but okay. uh, yeah, I'm here for it. Alex, who yeah. is your favorite artist? Music, music artist. Uh, favorite artist. I don't know. I have a lot. Of okay. I'm going to ask you a different question. If there was a music artist, what what music artists do you most see yourself in? Hmm, like oh, the music that they produce. I'm like, wow, this just like, I could have wrote that. Me. Yeah, 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 yeah. Like I think those thoughts. I feel like the songs right now that I just like love that no matter what mood I'm in, I always want to listen to, and it's like feel good music is Big Wild. <laughs> I love Big Wild. I, yeah, I love Big Wild, but that's hard because I also, I love Griffin and I feel I like the, the lyrics in Griffin's music hits home for me a lot. The song, yeah. All You Need to Know, when I was pregnant, I was like, Jordan, this is our song for navigating pregnancy and parenting because he's like, all you need to know is like, we're, we're going to be in this together. And so I feel like he has a lot of, he writes his music about his relationship with his family and his wife. So I love that. But like Big Wild always just puts me in a really good mood. That's so wholesome. I'm trying to find my phone. Sorry. Because I was, what is I it? was trying to look up uh, Big Wild. Uh, what, is it, what does it say about me if I spent roughly 35 minutes deep cleaning the studio today listening to uh, Justin Bieber's acoustic version of Lonely on repeat? I also love Justin Bieber has some really good songs. Like I, I don't care what anybody has to say. Dude's got pipes. I could listen to Justin Bieber sing what well, I have listened to him sing for hours and hours and hours and hours on end. Have you seen his documentary? The first one? Um, frick, what's it called? It came out like probably. Oh, believing or something? Yeah, something like that. But it's like really interesting to hear his story about how Usher found him and like brought him up and like mentored him and it makes you just like see him in a totally different light of just how wholesome and sweet he was and then Hollywood just corrupted him and he went through that phase and then now he's like back to being like who he's always been and I think it's just really cool to like see his evolution yeah you said you were listening to Lonely yeah, they. I think relatively recently there was an acoustic cover of it that was released. But I, yeah, I was I've I've become a huge fan ever since I watched the uh, uh, the little Dicky show on Hulu. Yeah, I became a huge Benny Blanco. Fan. Yes, I became such a huge Benny Blanco fan, and that's that's what led me down the the Juice World uh, obsession for a little while, is because Benny found Juice World also. I did not realize that. Yeah. Um, and so there's just something about Benny's style. I think he's like tapped into 
what like resonates with current generation, et cetera, et cetera. I don't know. Uh, I love, I love Bieber. <laughs> Always have. Mm-hmm. Dude can rip. What, I think. Um, I think the most underrated. Be- I'm trying to think what the most underrated Bieber song is. He did one with. Uh, I think it's called. Um, it's with another like like, uh, guy, younger guy. Was it Mama? Well, I'm gonna. Mama. Oh, um, no. Uh, is it the Love Yourself? No. That's the only song I've ever sang at karaoke. <laughs> really? Dude, Sorry. Uh, I think the last time I sang a karaoke song, it was um, Boyfriend. <laughs> That's an excellent choice. Yeah. It wow, wasn't, that I didn't choose choice. it. Somebody else picked the song and then they didn't want to sing it. And so they're like, Noah, you got to go sing it. And so then I just like went up and totally made a fool of myself. That's the only way to but do it. But was, it was so fun to sing, to be honest. Um, uh, I think I, I think I really decided to I, I feel like early in Justin Bieber's career I was I didn't like him just for the sake of not liking him I was yeah. like oh like you like Justin Bieber you're a believer like one of those type of deals but then purpose came out and I had a, an abrupt 180 on my feelings on him I can't well, find Cody Simpson is that who he sings it with I think it's with Cody Simpson I have absolutely no I idea don't know I mean there's a song where he's like singing about um is is it the it's not is it sorry no it's not it's like a not that well known of one and there's an acoustic version and if also anybody listening to this is like (laughs) is uh, it despacito no it's um (laughs) i forgot about that song (laughs) hold on I also, while we're on the topic of Justin Bieber, I want to make sure to throw out there that it took me a while to warm up to him. I know it came out before Purpose did. It looks like five years before. Uh, no, I'm not sleeping on Justin Bieber's Under the Mistletoe holiday album. It's fantastic. Also, not to go too off topic, but another artist that's really good that I just Home to Mama. discovered. Oh, okay. Yeah, that would make sense because you said it had Mama in it. Yeah, home to mama. mama. Who sings it with him? Cody Simpson. It's so good. I don't. I don't know if I. When did I it think of it? When did it come out? My head. That's what I mean. It's under the radar. It's the most under the radar radar Bieber song, and I listen to this song so much. He's got. If you go on, you know how much I'm, I love music videos. Um, mm. he's got a one with them doing it. Uh, they have an acoustic one, and they have one just like. On Vivo original, him and old mm. Cody just singing it. I would I would play it right now, but there is like for sure some licensing issues with that. Yeah, we probably run into some. What wait, types what of music videos do you like? I'm just gonna play. Yeah. It. Yeah, I've heard this before. I'm not afraid to tell you. No, we're gonna get the shit sued out of us. Yeah, I can't wait. I'm equipped. We're gonna get sued so hard. I'm equipped. We wanted to meet Benny Blanco. Now we're gonna meet him. <laughs> uh, 
Yeah. Anyway. Okay, but have you have you heard of have you heard of Bryce Vine? Oh, I love he he does uh the Holly Berry one, right? Yeah. Um Drew Barrymore. Drew Barrymore. Yeah, yes. sorry. <laughs> you knew what I was saying. <laughs> but <Yeah. laughs> but he has some like older songs that are so good. And I like just like I loved Drew Barrymore and then I started listening to other songs. La La Land is real good. And Glamorama is good. Yep, I agree. Glamorama, it falls apart. He's, yeah, he's got some good. What tunes. about um, Cautious Clay? I don't know who that is. Oh, you are in for a ride, Alex. <laughs> what like what genre? Uh, kind of similar to Bryce Vine. First mm-hmm. song you gotta listen to is Joshua Tree. Okay. Yeah, hundred percent. Cautious it, Clay. Alex, you, yeah, if you look him up on Spotify. Uh, Joshua Tree is his f- number five popular okay. song. Okay, okay, I found him. Got it marked. Yeah, marked to listen. We're about to change your life. I mean, that's like my favorite thing to do at Alchemy is make playlists. I make a playlist almost every day for class because I just love finding different music. Every yeah. day? Um, pretty much. I make like not every day. I guess I make like twelve to fifteen a month. <laughs> Holy Lord. <laughs> No wonder people are coming to your classes all the time. I feel like now people are going to start avoiding me because, oh, yeah, Connor, this one again, huh? Love that. I mean, what did you some, say your favorite Griffin song is? All, well, my favorite, I, All You Need to Know. Uh, I, but I don't know if it's my favorite. Such good ones. But he's got a lot. I saw him in concert, and that was like, I was actually 12 weeks pregnant, and it was like the best concert of my yeah. life. We were at the front row and he pointed at me and i thought jordan thought i was gonna leave him at that point for griffin because all I was you, like, oh my god he all you need to me. know is the name of it yeah all you need to know but then like timey down's really good i mean omg it's like such yeah. a bop it's such a bop but it's good it's catchy yeah i need to look up the lyrics but he's good. All you need to know it's like what he's talking about in it is like being there for each other and so when I was listening to it, it made me think of that. I'm like a very much like, oh, this makes me think of like something. And Jordan and I like to do kitchen dances. So like that was like very much our mm. jam for our kitchen dances, like during pregnancy. Now we just pretty much kitchen dance to Big Wild as of late. <laughs> Love that. What was the hardest part of pregnancy? Mm. Pregnancy or like labor delivery? <laughs> I so, mean, they're separate. It's all... <laughs> Oh, it okay. Yeah. Pregnancy, uh, pregnancy was as hard as the I feel like it's such a cool thing that's happening in your body. Like you're literally yeah. growing this human. And I feel like I had to keep reminding myself of that because your body also starts to become very much not your own. Like really early on in pregnancy, I could feel a shift in my physical strength and just like getting fatigued much quicker was like so weird to me and like your heart rate going up way faster and so that was I think hard to manage like oh I'm gonna be sick today maybe but I don't know um so like there'd be mornings I'd wake up and I would not feel good and I'd get sick and I couldn't go to work and fun fact you might already know this but morning sickness is all day it's not just that in the morning (laughs) it's all day they should literally just call it sickness because Uh. you're sick all day so I think that was the hardest part for me was just not knowing how I was going to feel. And I mean, that's how any sickness is. But at the end of pregnancy, I was like, okay, 
baby, you can come anytime. Cause I couldn't even coach. I actually had to get sidelined my last six weeks of pregnancy and I had to be, I wasn't bad rested, but my doctor had to write me a note, no standing for long periods of time. So I couldn't even coach, which was a huge bummer to me. Yeah. Selfishly. The next question is as two aspiring fathers on the other end of this podcast, <laughs> is there like, what piece of advice would you have for us? Understanding that each pregnancy and each person has like different wants and desires, but like mm-hmm. just generally, what advice would you offer us on how to be most supportive? Yeah. I mean, I think knowing that as your significant other or if whoever you're going through that journey with, just like recognizing it's a challenge and it's really hard. And some days they're going to feel really great. And some days they're going to feel emotional and some days they might be in like pain or sick and just being there for them and listening and being someone that they can go to and talk to and confide in because that was huge for me. Like Jordan was always there for me to like talk to or listen to me wherever I was at feeling in that journey. And then taking care of her, I think is huge just because it's like you start to swell up in like places and I know from me personally, like, I feel like pretty confident in who I am. Like, I'm not, I don't have a six pack when I'm not pregnant. I'm not like this, like super, like, I'm not like (laughs) some, I don't know. I'm I'm a typical woman. Like I've got curves and things, but as your body starts to shift and things change and you're naturally getting bigger, you're gaining weight. It's really hard to remind yourself sometimes by on your own, like, this is a freaking miracle. So like reminding your wife or significant other, like you're beautiful. This is amazing. You're growing a human for us. I just think is huge because we can try to remind ourselves of that all the time, but someone else telling you like, this is amazing. Like, this is so awesome. And like, you're like doing this and being like that sounding board for um, a woman during that process, I think is huge. Does that help? Yeah, no, I mean, every little bit helps. I yeah. keep a, I keep a, I have a running list of things I want to remember as a husband and things I want to remember as a dad. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'll add that I to mean, the list. <laughs> same thing to both, just asking, you know, how can I support you today? Like, what can I do for you? But I think that goes in any type of marriage. Just like, how are you? What can I do for you? Yeah. Good I think communication is always going to be the best thing that you can do in your relationship uh what is the most what is the least helpful thing (laughs) oh (laughs) is it sympathy weight (laughs) yeah jordan was good at that one though (laughs) (laughs) i'm just kidding We joke about that. We joke about it together because I wasn't working out as much. So like he wasn't naturally going as much, but he actually was. Um, We like, we tease each other. I think, yeah, the least helpful thing. I'm just saying like, yeah, I mean, I get what you're saying. Like just making sure you're like not commenting on things that are going to go the wrong way. Yeah, And I think that goes always like, it's okay that you're gaining weight. Like you're building a baby. just maybe like, don't, don't acknowledge that part, you know, like instead just being like, 
you're building a human and it's okay. Like your body's going to change kind of a thing. I think that was the hardest part of like, you know, that your body's going to change and you know, you're going to gain weight and you know that all these things are going to happen. But like, even when you're in it and you know that it's normal, it's really hard to not get down on yourself. And so I, it's hard to like, say like the least thing. Cause I think everyone takes things very differently. I just like being on the other side of it. I, a lot of mom groups that I follow on Instagram are always sharing like comments that people would say that they think is helpful. Like, Oh, it's like, it's so much worse when, you know, like, or I'm trying to think of like a comment of like, Oh, we'll just wait till the baby's here. You're never going to sleep, you know, like things like that. I mean, that's like more on just like people saying that versus like you saying that to them. Cause you're going to be in that position too. But I think people like say things that they like mean well by, but it's just like, no. And then, okay. I know the least helpful thing is like focusing on the due date. Like due dates should just not exist because I think the statistic is like 3% of babies are born on their due date. And as a pregnant woman, you're like, okay, the due date, the due date's here. I'm a day away. Um, okay. It's here. Okay. It's gone. Okay. I'm still pregnant. Okay. I'm still pregnant. Like it feels like an eternity. So like, don't focus on the due date. Think of it as like a due week and then plan fun things for you and your significant other to do like as that date approaches and past it. Like we went out to dinner cause I had her pre COVID luckily, like by three weeks, we went out to dinner, like every night from my due date on. And my due date actually was the 13th last year of February. Is it too, is it too far to just be like, to be like, Oh yeah, I don't know when the due date is just like joke, make that joke. (laughs) She's like, Oh, the due date's coming up. And be like, be like, what due date? (laughs) Yeah. You could be like, I don't even know what you're talking about. What are you talking about? I mean, I literally, we just (laughs) had this conversation with my girlfriends because all of us have gone over. We had one friend that went early, but everyone went at least a week to 10. I think the longest was 12 days past due date. And it's like, you focus on it so much, but it's really just like a guess date. And that's what it should be called. It's a guess. Like they don't really know when you conceived your baby and when it's going to come. That makes sense. How long did they they, they, they estimate and then throw nine months on top? Like what, how do they even come up with I mean, you basically are like, this is when we think we conceived the baby. And then you don't really know though. Like if you're trying for a baby, you're likely like trying to conceive, having sexual relations multiple times during the ovulation period. Like you're not just trying to have a baby like one time during your ovulation period. You're probably trying throughout the whole time. So it's like a guess. You're guessing when you conceived and then they're going off of that day, 40 weeks from when you- I've totally taken that process for granted. I always mm-hmm. assumed it was much more like to your, to your point, the, the point around the misconception, right? I've always assumed there's more that goes into determining the due date rather mm-hmm. than. Yeah. Yeah. A- yeah. It's like, when was your last, the start of your last menstrual menstrual cycle? And then they say, when do you think you conceived? And then they go based off of that. And then during pregnancy, they'll measure you. And then they might be like, Oh, we're you're measuring a little bit ahead or you're measuring a little bit behind, but they still stick with that due date. And then closer to, they kind of keep watching that just in case, Mm -hmm. but yeah, it's really, it's really a guest date. And I had someone else tell me that, um, during pregnancy and that was really helpful, but it's still like, I knew like, Oh, this is a guest. But even though when the 13th was coming, I was like, Oh my God, yes, she's going to come. And then she didn't come for another week. That rascal. 
Yeah, gosh. Yeah, I agree with Connor. I had no idea it was that imprecise. That blows my mind a little bit. I mean, I've had this conversation with a few other people, a few, uh, a few friends recently that are trying to get pregnant and they're struggling with infertility. And, you know, like we're in college and if you're having any relations with people in college, you're like so fearful of becoming pregnant. If, if you have <laughs> premarital relations, you're like, oh my gosh, mm-hmm. I'm going to get pregnant. You know, like, I feel like that's like ingrained in yeah. all college people's heads. Like, oh my gosh, oh my gosh. But like, really, there is like only one week of an entire month that you could, I mean, you can get pregnant outside of your ovulation phase, but the percentage is lower. Fun fact. I'm teaching you guys so much. <laughs> all right. College, college audience. Let it rip. <laughs> Go get them. That's not what I'm saying. I'm not heard it saying straight that. from Alex's mouth. That's what she said. She said it, not us. She, not, not us. All these boys. people are going to be like, uh, yeah, I was listening to that girl. And she said that like, I could just go out and Let three weeks out of the four weeks, I wouldn't get pregnant. Don't, don't do that. Don't. You're going to be that, that it's going to get clipped and you're going to be a <laughs> in the Instagram reel. Yeah. That chick told me I could just go on and do whatever I wanted. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, Valentine's Day will be five days from now. Alex, you might have just opened up a. Wait, uh, is that true? Uh, is what? That I mean, Valentine's yet. Day is five days from now. Sunday. Yeah, by the dates. Ugh. Connor, do you have a Valentine? Do I have a Valentine? Yeah. Uh, I would say that I have a Valentine. Ooh. I don't know. We'll see. We'll see. What, we'll see. We'll see. We'll see. Are you going to like ask her to be your Valentine? I think that's the right way to do it. If I'm going to have a Valentine, but are yeah. you going to make her a Valentine or buy a Valentine? Salmon burgers. I'm that's right. I'm going to just cut a little chunk out of the salmon burger. And make yeah. It, make it look I like that. Big fan. Oh. Of that. There it is. What do you think about Valentine's? Me? I, hate, I do not like Valentine's day. <clears throat> I've always I don't know. It's one of those holidays that like I just I think carries such big expectations with it. It's it's like Valentine's Day and like New Year's that mm-hmm. I think are like these huge expectation days. And then more often than not, it's like I don't know. Very like I just don't like holidays in general that create huge expectations. I really like Easter. You know? Mm-hmm. Just like you do fun things on Easter, but there's not really like huge expectations for anybody for the day. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like New Year's Eve is like, oh, I'm going to go have this awesome hangout with all these people. Usually doesn't happen. Valentine's Day, I've candidly think I've only participated like one time, but I I think it's like generally I still see the same problem of like having these high expectations of somebody else. Mm-hmm. whereas something like easter where it's just like if you're a christian it's just like you got expectations of nobody except for the except for the lord you know what i'm saying mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah no I, other human I, being I, I don't know i don't know maybe that's a wrong way to think about it but like no it's also I, why I, I like thanksgiving so much is because you might have expectations for your meal but you don't necessarily have expectations for other people right i think valentine's day has been taken and turned into a very like 
spend money or else type yeah. of an occasion. Like the the worth on the day is now placed on the monetary value associated with creating the events or the 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 gifts with with the day, mm-hmm. as opposed to what I feel like it should be of hey, I care about you a lot. Let's use today to celebrate our connection and or love for one another. Mm-hmm. Uh, so I'm not huge on like, am I going to go out and buy dozens of roses? No, that will not happen. Uh, would I spend quality time with someone that I care about? Mm-hmm. Yeah, but I also hope that I'm doing that regardless of the fact of the, whether or not it's February 14th, you know? Mm-hmm. Did, you do can- did you do singing grams in school? Did you guys have those in high school? Um, we, nope. we had them in college. There were like two acapella groups on campus that you could donate to their, you could like donate. It was like five bucks for like a, a singing gram and they had like three or four songs you could pick from and they would show up mm-hmm. and crash your class and sing it. And then, yeah, leave. we had that in high school, but anybody could audition like anyone. So a lot of my guy friends auditioned, none of which were singers or inquired by any means. And they would just like pick fun love songs and dress up. And it was like, if anybody sent you one, it was so funny for everyone else and mortifying for you. So it was always like, Oh God, who's going to get one. And I just vividly remember I had one uh, for the longest time by Billy Joel. And it was like two of my guy friends that sang it. And then they came to my gym class. And I just remember being like, I can't take you seriously. Like, this is so embarrassing. But it was, it was like one of those things where it was just like so funny, but like also just like so fun. And I think one thing with Valentine's is like exactly what both of you have said is there is a lot of pressure on it. And if you're not dating someone, it feels like, like, oh, Okay. I feel like it puts this pressure on people. If you're not dating someone or with another person that you have to feel this pressure. But I think what's been cool is some of my friends in the past few years, I feel like we've taken it as an opportunity to just like express like our gratitude towards each other. And Mm. so it's like, you can like use it as a way to be like, well, I may not have a significant other, but I have these amazing friends in my life that I do love them and they're really awesome. And they're really great and appreciating them in that sense but I do think it's gotten to be like, to your point, Connor, like, oh, we need to go out and do X, Y, and Z versus like, why can't we just have like a nice night together? Mm-hmm. I love that. I love that. And Noah, we've talked on this podcast before about, uh, I think on this podcast before, or just with one another before about making it a point to express the sentiment of love more often. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Where it's like, I could tell I could tell you I love you every single day, but I don't know mm-hmm. how often I say it to you. And like the same, like with uh, some like family members, but also just people that you have love in your heart for. And and mm-hmm. Alex, I love that that notion of using Valentine's Day is just like here's here's love day, not necessarily like you and your partner, and that's it. Mm-hmm. Love day. Yeah, and I think maybe also it's like a like a write like a love letter to yourself day mm-hmm. when's the last time you did that um Lindsay, who i actually just had her podcast just came out today she did she's single and so she's like been doing a lot of like self-love and like getting others to think about how they can love themselves more and in december she was 
talking about how there's just a lot of pressure around the holidays and like having a significant yeah, other sure. and you know the pressures of family being like oh are you dating anybody yet and so she did this whole week called single all the way and it was like embracing <laughs> yes. yeah and it was awesome and I like tuned in because she would do like Instagram lives each day and like challenge people to look within themselves and find love within themselves and like one of the activities was like how do you define yourself how do you look at yourself and it was really cool to hear all the different activities and things that she came up with for people to help people embrace their singleness and like see the beauty of it versus I think a lot of times society and culture makes it feel like oh you're single like oh yeah but it's like why why should people feel that way maybe people want to be single like you don't know and like secondly like it's a really great opportunity i think to take an opportunity to look within yourself without someone else being there you get to like figure out who you are yeah the connor we've talked about this before and it's still i still uh struggle to articulate exactly why it's so fascinating to me the concept of the matthew mcconaughey concept of mm. the um i keep continuing to try to like write more about it to try to figure out exactly why it captures me so but alex the statement is um the target draws the arrow the the arrow doesn't seek the target the target draws the arrow Matthew McConaughey uses it in his book, Green Lights, to describe this concept of like him attracting his wife, his now wife. And the best I can articulate at this point is this idea that if we are like infinitely magnetic, you know, it's the, the cliche is like you are like you attract the energy you are is like, mm-hmm. I think the cliche way to put it. The more and more I think about it, it's like, I think you have to wrap in. I never know exactly how to do it, Connor, but like we've talked about this idea of like authenticity of if the thing you're putting out into the world is anything less than the most authentic version to you, then you are going to attract something less than a person that's a hundred percent attracted to the authentic version of you because they're going to be attracted to some piece of you that isn't you. Yep. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yep. so maybe that's like so I, that's why i think the power of signals is is like hacking away all of the things that somebody might fall in love with that aren't authentically you mm-hmm. i i think and i hadn't really thought about this concept before until you were saying it but it's almost like if you're not already yourself and you find your significant other and then you're with that person as not your authentic self but you start to then do that work when you're with somebody and you become your truest self and you start to realize like, oh, we don't have this connection when I am who I am and who I've always been almost. And maybe that's why sometimes relationships don't work out is when you are starting to be with somebody and you're not your truest self. And then you start to do that work and that person that they thought they were with isn't who you are anymore. So that's why I think it is important to your point to do that work before you meet your significant other so that you get aligned and you find the person that is the right fit for you. Yeah. And yeah, the more I think about it, I think it, Connor, I think we've talked about at some point, I know I've said this. It's like the idea that the universe can't conspire on your behalf unless it knows what you want. Mm 
and like who you are. Like you have to give it a chance for it to conspire on your behalf. Yep. And I think maybe that's what I'm getting at after is it's like, unless the, the you that you're presenting to the world is the person you want people to be attracted to, mm-hmm. not the person yeah. you think people will be attracted to. It's like the person you want them to be attracted to. Yeah. The universe can't work on your, in your favor. Right. Mm-hmm. Well, we've okay. go ahead. Austin. I was just going to say, that makes me think of that Paulo Coelho quote. I had to look it up when you want something, all the universe conspires in helping you to achieve it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yep. Yeah. I think, and that, that was like the Genesis, I think of how we talked about when we talked about it originally, cause it's like, yeah, the universe will conspire on your behalf, but not unless you give it a shot. Like unless you give it a chance. Yeah. I don't know. This, this conversation is adding in a new wrinkle to the way I think about this. I think in the past I've been so caught up on this, the, the idea that the difficulty of expressing your truest self, Mm -hmm. especially in the early stages of relationship, right. Where it's like, I don't really know this person and it's really frightening to be vulnerable and to show up as my fullest self. But if I don't do it now and we, you know, we, this relationship progresses, it's going to have to happen eventually. Right. Mm -hmm. So I got to do it now. Uh, And still within that consideration, I think I had taken for granted, not only the vulnerability of expression of the truest self, but the process of discovery of one's Mm -hmm. truest self. Mm-hmm. Right. We're like uh, writing a love letter to yourself and taking time to take care of yourself, to be able to figure out who even is the actual authentic fullest version of yourself in order to be able to give that person out to the world. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Yeah. And I, I, I think maybe actually the thing I struggle with the most now is like, I want struggle is the wrong way to put it. Um, uh, like thinking about, the expression of like me and who I like my capital S self and then flipping that and thinking about somebody on the other side of the table, trying to show me their capital S self. And like, there, there are going to be naturally, like you're never going to be a hundred percent in like in line, whoever's on the other side of the table, there are going to be things that like, I can't relate to a hundred percent. And they're going to be things like, Oh, that's a little weird. Like if somebody else were expressing their authentic, self to me and so that's always strange to me because it's like i don't know how i don't know what i'm trying to say here other than it then becomes this question of like when you present it or like when somebody presents it to you how much how much is can be dismissed as like Oh, it's it's okay that that this thing I'm not totally in line with this thing. Versus, like, when do you start to get, like, just like when do you start to cross the line of justification, like from from reasonable differences to you justifying? Yeah, I know. You know I what know. I'm saying? Yeah, I do. One hundred percent. Are you saying, are you saying like them as a person and who they are versus, I think there's a difference in like, this is who I am. And like this, 
is what I believe in and like justifying beliefs versus justifying like who somebody is as a person. Is that yeah. kind of what you're saying? Well, so I think, I think mine is a riff off of Connor's point about, especially like when you're at some like Connor and I's stage of like, maybe you go on like a few first dates and then like you start to answer this question of like, am I compatible with this person? Mm-hmm. Right. And so if you come out of the gates, like purely authentic and then they're doing the same thing at some point, you, ha- you have to ask this question of like how much because you're never going to agree with the person 100 percent on mm-hmm. everything. Mm-hmm. And if you are, that's probably a sign that like you got some blinders on. But like at some point, there's going to be things that like pop up. You'd be like, oh, I could live with that mm-hmm. versus like, oh, that's a deal breaker. Mm-hmm. And so it's like, that's where, that's where it gets really hard is it's like, as you do that process in the beginning stage and even thinking about it for, and I think this goes back to my core fear, uh, kind of that we've talked about in the past of that, like, I'm looking for something that doesn't exist, like this reciprocal love that doesn't exist. And so the fear is that when you put your authentic self out that soon, that I'm putting too much out there one of those things is going to be like a that guy's really weird or you know what I mean do you do you have like your non-negotiables for dating somebody because so what's coming to mind as you're talking about this is I have a friend she dated someone they hit it off everything was perfect and in line her faith is super important to her the guy she was seeing had no faith that to her had always been a non-negotiable. They started dating and she was just like, God, like I, like, this is, this is my person and was really trying to figure out like, is there going to be a way for us to make this work? Like she goes to church. He didn't, didn't really believe in a God. And like, it was, that was like the one thing that like they kept coming back to. And like that to me, I feel like that's something where it's like, can you get over something like that where it's like that's like a foundation to a relationship versus like I think about someone being authentically like I'm a really messy person and okay like for instance Jordan is very clean and I'm really messy and like that didn't really come up in the beginning stages and then he got to know that and he like made the decision to accept me and my messiness but like my friend that was dating this guy, like they ended up going their separate ways because it was just like, it wasn't going to work. And then they ended up getting back together a year later because they really felt they had a connection. And a few months in the same thing happened. And I feel like recognizing your non-negotiables, like she knew that was always a non-negotiable for her, but the connection that they had, she was just like, I just feel like really strongly about it. But then it ended up being like that same non-negotiable was like, this isn't going to work. Like it ended up being, you know, is yeah, that so kind of what you're saying, kind of, kind of. I think I think that it's a spectrum of like relative difficulty to ease, because I think some things are like easy to know, right? And that's like what you're talking about. Of like, if you have your deal breakers, it's relatively easy to identify those things. But then you have these weird things where it's like, I'm trying to find an example of like a, the grayest territory. So like, I my obsession with like philosophy and deep conversation and like deep thoughts and like needing like that depth in like a conversation mm-hmm. 
being with somebody who maybe avoids that a little bit more or like doesn't like to go to that spot. So like that one's a little bit of a different territory mm-hmm. because then it's always hard to tell like, okay, is it just because of like, they have this, they just haven't gotten to that point yet. Or is it because they will never get to that point? Because we all mm-hmm. go through this like spiritual mm-hmm. deepening as we get older and like awareness generally. So that I think it's more of a question of timing and something like that of like, a question of is it like is it like the right timing mm-hmm. as opposed to like a it being a true deal breaker you know what i mean and so I, it, there are yeah so there are, there are like hard questions and then there are like there are easier ones where like smoking cigarettes for me like you know that's a pretty clean line um but then it gets a little harder as like you progressively move into like the the less tangible things mm-hmm. and the more like personality quirks that's when it starts to get hard for me i will i will say to your point though alex it's a really if if people don't have that list already for themselves of the more objective more easily quantifiable non-negotiables i gotta believe that's a good place to start right and not not just in terms like non-negotiables for that they are looking for in a partner but to tie back around to the conversation we were just having about being one's most authentic self, the non-negotiables for who I am and how I show up that I'm not willing to compromise in the presence of my partner, mm-hmm. right? Where Noah, that might be for you to use the example that you just uh, referenced, you know, your, your love and desire for deep philosophical thought and conversation. That's not something that you want to compromise for your partner though i do also understand your point around is that something that can be developed and how long is too long to or how long is long enough how how much you want to do the dance like uh, uh, how does how does the process of accommodating and acceptance around those kinds of things work well and i think that i think where i'm running in where i'm like beating my head against the wall is that it's this odd question of like I don't want to ever expect one person to be everything and to fulfill Mm -hmm. all needs and so it becomes a situation right where like if that particular need wasn't being met then it's like maybe I just have more conversations with Connor to like fill that need Mm -hmm. you know what I mean so then it becomes a question of not only it, it becomes a question of like is this a person I still want to spend the rest of my life with and then have like, which needs can be fulfilled elsewhere versus Mm -hmm. which ones do I want in a life partner? Mm -hmm. And that's, those are the hard ones to discern. Mm -hmm. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I think just starting, I feel like with a list of what, like, what do you want in a partner, like a life partner, someone that you're going to do life with and you're going to have to navigate hard situations and decisions and that like you really want to be by your side as your teammate through like the ups and the downs and like what what do you want that person to have as values and what are some non-negotiables that you're like if they don't have a faith if they don't have a desire to learn and to grow I feel like that kind of ties into what you're talking about of like wanting to go deeper and you might have deep conversations with your significant other but the topics might be different than what you and Connor would talk about. And yeah. I, 
it's, it's hard. I mean, I get it. I, Jordan and I have changed so much since we've been together and we're the same and so different at the same time. But I feel like if you end up with the right person, that, that relationship, as you grow closer and closer, it's just like a, I mean, it's a friendship. It's a lifelong friendship that, you know, you get to have for the rest of your life. And just as any friendship, it gets deeper. And I think that I, it's hard because I, I don't think you will, I don't know if you'll ever have an answer to that question of if they're not already like open to that conversation, will it change? Because I, I, I believe if you're with someone and you're committed to being friends for the rest of your life, like you're always going to grow stronger and get to have those deeper conversations together. They're going to look different probably than what you and Connor are having, but, or like you and your family or whatever, but that's someone that you know that you're going to be able to get to talk to about certain things. Like Jordan and I have really good conversations about X, Y, and Z. And then he goes and talks to his friends about other conversations, usually sports. <laughs> so not super deep conversations, but like yeah. we have our different conversations and we like fill our cups up differently together. Then like my friends are going to fill up my cup. Yeah. Uh, weird question that what, what question do you think you can ask other people to like reveal their soul to you? Mm. Like if we're talking about like getting in and like, like learn, like seeing somebody like who they are, like truly, mm. I mean, like I, I, my mind goes to questions of like, what hurts your heart? <laughs> uh, I really like that one. Um right. I mean, I think asking like, what are your core values? I think that can tell a lot about somebody. Like, yeah, but I, yeah, but the thing about those questions, I think, is that, that like, that alerts them to what you're trying to ask. And sure. so I think in order to like truly get in there, you almost have to like smuggle it in through weirder questions, like what hurts your heart type of situation, like, like, like mm. for, like for me my answer to that question is like that there's kids in the world that don't have the same access to like reading and like books mm -hmm. and don't have clean water. Like those mm -hmm. are the two things that make me the most sad. Um, we've talked about that before, Connor. Yeah. 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 I, I apologize for the silence. I'm trying to think about other questions that would fit into. And I think in a, a lot of them are probably rooted in conversations that we've had on yeah. and off podcast before, like, uh, you know, what, what is your childhood self upset that you're not doing right now yeah. or that you're not doing regularly? Um, I think frankly, the question that we usually asks or that we usually ask of guests uh, at the conclusion of these episodes, which yeah. Alex, I believe we've, we've privied you to, uh, mm -hmm. and will be interesting. Cause I think you're our first, are you, is Alex our first guest that has a child, a child of her own other huh? than my father. Ah, touche. But yeah. I don't know if we asked, uh, I don't know if we asked Mike, if we asked Mufasa. No, I don't think we did. Um, I, I also really like the, uh, like, We've talked before about um, like maybe I think it was like with Ben actually where we talked about 
I don't, I don't feel like I truly know somebody until I know what they're most insecure about, like at their core. Uh, yeah. 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 I, not to cheat, but I was Googling questions to get to know people's soul. <laughs> I love that, actually. I love One it. of them on here was, if you could change one thing about yourself or your character, what would it be? Mm. Oh, one of my favorite questions to ask is, um, if I, if I, if I were to talk to your exes, what would they say about you? Mm. Mm. Honestly, that is, it's such a good question. It's a I, terrifying question yeah mine would say i was wild and crazy <laughs> but a lot of fun but all my exes knew me when i drank jordan yeah. has never seen me drink so <laughs> they would have some good stories for yeah. everyone <laughs> yeah that's amazing I, that's like yeah hands down my favorite i probably question. wouldn't want jordan to go talk to <laughs> no that's not true they would say some nice things they just yeah. they got me in my like learning age of life i get it i get it what other questions were on that list yeah it was uh what do people think about you that isn't true at all and it says it's a great way to create Uh, false first impressions yes so this reminds me when i was after my last year of law school and i was interviewing for the minnesota supreme court Mm. they asked me and in in the interview you like walk into the interview and it's it's all of the justices in like the chambers it's so it was like hands down the most intimidating thing i've ever participated in and they're just like firing these hard questions at you and one of them the newest uh judge at the time uh justice chudich um she was like the first uh openly homosexual uh, member of the minnesota supreme court and her question to me was um what is uh like what stereotype about you is a misconception? Mm. I was like on the spot. I was so rattled and it was, but the, the one I came up with, was just the, um, you know, having played sports my entire life and being taller, more athletic looking guy. Uh, I think that the stereotype has always been that I'm just a meathead with not a lot going on upstairs. Um, <laughs> And it's like, I don't know that that's like necessarily, I didn't love that answer. Cause it's not like, it's like, woe is me type of situation. Like, well, like uh, people think I'm dumb. I, but, uh, I mean, you know how, do you answer that? how do you, at, at risk of derailing us from the, the list of questions, um, how do you answer that question in a way that isn't cause it, I mean, at risk of using the definition in, in the answer, like stereotypically stereotypes have a negative connotation to them yeah. right mm-hmm. to, to combat them is to illuminate good in the presence of the assumed bad yeah that was one of my least favorite questions i've ever had to answer i hated that question with every ounce of my soul that's but hard it is a good one the more maybe i'm biased just been thinking back to um the conversation we had with ben but uh the questions that i asked him when we were chatting with him around uh what what do you want people to know about you uh and particularly differentiating between what people what you want people to know about you and what people should know about you Mm. if there is a difference between those two things you know where i see like want is like here are my positive qualities and attributes and how i show up in the world and when i'm at my best 
But when I, what you should know about me is I've got some imperfections just like everybody else. And Mm -hmm. while I'm not always proud of them, here are those things. Mm -hmm. That makes me think, and Connor, I don't know if you've ever done this exercise. Uh, We did it at one of our summits and it was tell a story about yourself that impacts you, that none of us know about you, that impacts the way that you show up and the way that you work. Mm, that's a good and one. we all had to tell a story of our childhood that, or an experience that has impacted us and has contributed to like how we show up and like how we work and like why we do X, Y, and Z. And it was really interesting just to hear, because I think that is like something you don't think a lot about. And then when you have kind of forced to like, look back at like your upbringing of like, wow, yeah, that I think that did really impact me into why I do such and such. Yeah. I like that question. Yeah, that's a really powerful question. Mm. Um, I was good. I was gonna mention something, and you totally derailed me with that I'm question. <laughs> I'm sorry. Well, <laughs> no, it's, it's okay. like it's like it's so interesting. Like when you think about it, you're like, I don't know, and then you give yourself like time to actually like deep dive into what has impacted us as adults yeah. from like our upbringing, and it's really interesting to like think about. Yeah, it definitely is. And I, I know specifically Connor and I have had personal conversations on that exact thing. I've just never heard the question framed that way. And it's a lot easier to frame it that way. Yeah. I like it. Cause I've tried to like ask, I've tried to find a, a good way to ask that question. And I, I think I just found it. Thank you, Alex. You're welcome. I can't take credit. You can leave Tyler. <laughs> <laughs> Okay, wait, I got to tell you what the last question was on this list because it's really bizarre. (laughs) (laughs) Perfect. If if you could choose between a whale-sized hamster and a hamster-sized whale, which (laughs) one would you pick? (laughs) Oh, my gosh. This is is purely for shits and giggles, or is it? One thing that I have when having deep conversations is seeing how people take this seriously or not. A whale-sized hamster would be terrifying. Yeah, yeah that would be i would take a hamster sized whale a hamster sized whale for sure and like keep it as a pet uh, right well just like practically speaking that's got to be the right answer right yeah i would say i would say are so. you gonna contain are you gonna contain a whale sized hamster you're not doing yeah, that it honestly sounds terrifying <laughs> it would yeah it, that sounds so terrifying <laughs> but then but then also like a, I don't know when i think I don't know why my mind goes here, but when I think uh, hamster-sized whale, I just think like an oversized sperm. <laughs> what? <laughs> I, I don't know. It's just like a little. Yeah. Anyway. Oh, a hamster. Okay. I yeah, I heard that wrong. Okay. I see. Oh, I yeah. I, was, I also. I did. thought you said the hamster-sized whale. Uh, yeah, Alex, I was I like exact same thing. <laughs> I see what you were saying. Oh uh, yeah, yeah, I'm saying like yeah. if we're scaling down whales. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. But I go, was imagining the yeah. big hamster, and I was like, "Where is he going with this? Yeah. I don't understand yeah, how yeah, that yeah, looks yeah. like a big sized sperm at all." Yeah, but then yeah. I understood yeah. you were going to whale. Yeah, uh, just, I would imagine the answer to this question is going to be no. But uh, have either of you watched enough South Park to be familiar with the the episode with the giant guinea pigs? Mm-mm. No, but no. Jordan probably has seen it. Uh, well. Uh, yeah, it's not it's not worth delving into right now. There's an episode where uh, giant guinea pigs 
attack and take over the world uh, until the boys of South Park conquer them with their makeshift Peruvian flute band that they've put together to try to sell CDs and make money. It, it's, it's a fun episode. It's like a series of episodes that they do. But anyway, moving on. Yeah. Before before we lose you, Alex, I, I do want to give you the opportunity to talk about um, one, all of the things you're excited about in your life right now. And, and two, I, I just want to hear the story of like what caused the shift uh, into the world of like creating Ripple's podcast and kind of some of the more personal pursuits that you've started down. Um, what was the determining factor to make that change, get on that road, uh, mm-hmm. and then just talk about that process generally? Yeah. Okay. So what am I excited about in the world right now? In your life. Yeah. In, your in life. my life right now. Um, I have a lot of things to be excited about right now. And I think that kind of ties into the second question. Um, for anyone that's listening that doesn't know me, I'm married um, to my husband. <laughs> yeah, I'm, I'm sorry. It took us an hour and a half. To get to <laughs> yeah. That's okay. We were just chatting. We were just having it's a good time. Keep it, it's oh. very on brand for us. That's so classic. Very on brand. I, it's okay. Um, I live in Minnesota. I am married to my husband. We've been married for three and a half years. And we have an uh, almost one-year-old. She's one on the 20th of February, which is really crazy to think about. Um, and then, yeah, I'm just excited to like be settling in as a family. We just moved into a house that we built and it's really been awesome to just get settled in and feel this connection with Jordan in like a whole new way. Um, I'm excited like for our future and like creating our family We're we make a really good team and we complete compliment each other well I joke that he is my housewife but he truly is like he cleans he cooks he does the laundry like I'm bare I'm married up for sure <laughs> and I like know it he's he's really amazing and he supports me in like all of my endeavors like we joke that I'm like oh did you look at like my calendar and he's like I never know what you're doing I just assume that you're doing something because you're always like running around um but so I like, yeah, I mean, I'm just very excited in life right now for what the future holds. I think for a while I was kind of feeling in just a, like before I got pregnant, I felt like I, I love my job. I work at Alchemy full-time with Connor and it's so rewarding and I love it. And then I think I just was like feeling like I knew there was more for me. And so that kind of segues into just all my other pursuits. Um, I, I felt like Uh, two years ago that I knew I wanted to do something more with sharing my story and sharing other people's stories. And I felt really called to do that. Um, I'm six and a half years sober. And when I started to share that experience with other people, I recognized like the power in just getting vulnerable and how much sharing your story can impact even just one person. And that was really important to me was helping other people in sobriety, but I knew other people had gone through their own personal stuff. And I wanted to create a platform for them to share that. And however that looked, I didn't really know what it was going to be. And I started actually working with a coach who has a 12 week program. And 
she had me do like all of these activities. We did like inner child work and routines. And she made me start calendar planning and just like doing all these different things. And we would just connect each week. And she helped me in the creative process of things, like figuring out like, what is this podcast going to be? So yeah, I started, I wanted to start a podcast to share stories essentially. And we worked together and that was in 2019. So like I signed up for her program and then like a week later found out I was pregnant and bless Nikki for working with me because it was supposed to be a 12 week program. And we started in June and I finished in December. So you could say I was not the average client that she was expecting. She was very kind about it. She's wonderful. Um, shameless plug for Nikki Norenberg. She's amazing. And so we worked together and like, I sent her like all these names, like some of the names were like the A like the ABCs, like A to Z or something like weird things. Like share and tell was one, like that was really close to being what the podcast was going to be. Cause I was like, cool. It's like show and tell, but like we're sharing and telling. And like, then I finally sent her creating ripples and she was like, yes, like this has to be it. And like the why behind creating ripples and that name is just like the ripple effect. You hear something, you do something that that makes an impact out into the world and it just like radiates out. And that was what I wanted to do was I wanted to have one person listen to the episode and there be a shift within them that whatever that shift is, it makes a little bit of change and it starts to then impact those around them. And I think hearing a story can make a ripple. I think an act of kindness, like saying hello to somebody, smiling, opening the door for them. Like they might be having a crappy day and you do like one small act of kindness. And then instead of them being crabby the rest of the day, maybe now they're going to open the door and they're going to greet someone with a smile. And I just think there's a lot of power that we have as humans and we can sometimes take it for granted. And so that was why I wanted to start the podcast was to share not only my story, but other people's stories. So I've had people share stories through navigating mental health, um, through motherhood, through health and wellness, all different topics. And it's just been a cool space to have people just open up. And I go into it similar to both of you of just let's let it rip and let's see what happens. And I think what's been cool is at the end of episodes, some of the times I've had people be like, I didn't intend to share that. And it just came out. I felt really safe and I opened up with you. And I feel like that is there, there's power in that if I'm able to make people feel comfortable enough with me to open up about parts of them that they've never shared before. Um, and so that has really been why I wanted to do the podcast. And to me, I actually was just listening on Clubhouse right before this. I initially was like so wrapped up in like the numbers and like downloads and things like that. And this guy on this clubhouse uh room was just saying don't think about that instead the most important thing as a podcaster that you can think about is the impact that you're making like that's the biggest kpi that you can focus on is your impact and if you're impacting just one person that's all that matters and so like that was like huge for me just to hear that because i think that's so true and exactly with what you guys are doing here with the oasis project of like you're sharing people's stories you're talking with them and you're creating this opportunity for people to be impacted by what they hear whether it's a small or big impact and i think that's what's so cool 
about podcasting is it's this cool medium you can go back to, you can listen to it, you can write down parts, you can keep learning from it. Um, yeah, I, I think one of the th- my favorite things about it, and I've talked a lot about a lot of my favorite things about podcasting, uh, one of which is I, I feel like it's just such a good tool to like get better at public speaking generally, mm-hmm. which is such, such a transferable skill. It's like the communication. But also, um, I love this idea of like the people that we have on, and I'm sure you experience the same thing is like, it's this, I'm a true believer in like community. And so it's like, just like one person at a time, even if the only person you impact is the person you have on your podcast, then like all of a sudden you're invested in each other's journeys Mm -hmm. and like you're following each other, supporting each other and like giving the opportunity to talk about like what you're excited about and now we can like support that and help amplify that. And it's mm-hmm. like, that's like my favorite part is just like, I don't know. It, it's, I, I love it for like, I don't know. Yeah. Like the amplification of the people. Mm-hmm. Well, and you're just creating like real honest connection, at least like the types of podcasts that we're like all three of us are making. It's, it's really about just connecting with other humans and yeah. having conversations. And I think that's, what's so cool about podcasting is it's conversations and Connor you've talked with me about this before like when I first told you I was going to do a podcast and you were like yeah no one I are thinking about doing it because we just love having these conversations and Mm -hmm. I think what's so cool is it's created this space to be like we have really freaking awesome conversations but now we're like sharing them out for other people to walk away and learn from what we're talking about, even though it might've been something you guys would have had over like a conversation over lunch, but now other people get to learn from what you have experienced and what you have to share. And I think that's so, it's so cool to think about the power and just using your voice. The, I don't know why I I wanted to ask you this about your podcast too. I I was the kingdom come the john bellion song connor was like stuck in my head today and there's mm-hmm. a line about uh now my heroes asking me where i'm from that part i love that line i yeah. do too because i always think about that of like even just in the podcast of like so a- alex like if you if you were to like have do you have a dream guest list mm-hmm. i do <laughs> I have like a handful of people on it. Um, I would love, love, love to have Brene Brown or Glennon Doyle. Like they're two people that I just, yeah. Glennon Doyle, her book Untamed. I don't know if either of you have read it, but it is so good. And what I love about it is it's, it's not a, it's not so much like a storyline. It's just like little stories from her life like each chapter is a little story oh my gosh I don't think I have mine I think my sister has it but like I'm a highlighter like I highlight and write notes in my books and that book I just was like "Eh, eh, eh." like I should (laughs) have just highlighted the whole thing but it was so impactful and yeah I mean I've lately been just like sending out emails to literally anybody and everybody I'm like whatever the worst they can say is no I I love that Um, yeah my my way of thinking about it is just like it's just sending messages in a bottle and it's like who no expectation of coming back maybe they will maybe they won't mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. uh but that i've i've started doing that in my own day-to-day life it's like then when you do get a message back and it's like you didn't expect to yeah. it's just like what <laughs> yep 
I had that happen recently. There was this girl I followed for years. She was an Adidas ambassador and she shared like her journey, like through fitness and like trying to get really thin. And then she like realized it was like unhealthy, her relationship. And she just started to like, want to be strong and healthy and like be this like empowering person that other women can look up to. And so she like shared that whole story. And then she's no longer Adidas ambassador. Now she's like more just someone that like shows up and shares who she is on social media. And I've literally followed her, I think since she was like 60,000 people. And now she's got like almost 300,000 people following her. And I was like, I'm going to, I'm going to message her. And she replied and she was like, I'm not able to do a podcast interview right now, but I love what you're doing and reach back out. And I was just like, what? (laughs) I'm just happy you emailed me back. Like what? Like, this is awesome. But yeah, I, yeah, you just don't know. And I, I mean, I think that can go for everything. It's really scary. I think we put this like so much power in the word no. And with anything we do, it's like the worst thing that can happen is they say no. I'm like, is that really all that bad? Right. Yeah. I, <sighs> I just, I just, yeah. I love the idea of like having somebody on a podcast. Like, yeah, they, you're literally having like a, your hero ask you, where are you from? <laughs> It's, yep. It just always plays in my head. Uh. Yeah. It is crazy though. I think that's the one thing too, is it's just like, they're people just like us. 100%. And so it's, uh, yeah, I would, I mean, I would love someday maybe, someday. but yeah, someday. The, the other thing, and I don't know, Connor, if you, if I've talked to you about Embolden, have we talked about this? I, I know that you're doing it. I don't know. I will admit that I don't know much about yeah. it, but I've heard snippets as it's come to pass. Yeah. So I launched a mom business, a business for mamas uh, with another woman from Alchemy that's a member. And basically uh, pregnancy was really hard or challenging. I'm going to say pregnancy was really challenging. Labor delivery was really challenging. Postpartum challenging, like all the things. And it was really lonely. Like I'm someone, I'm a social butterfly. I love to be around people. And it was really lonely for me. And that was like a huge wake up call of like, oh, I'm feeling this way. I bet a ton of other people are. And I started to just like, again, share my story, my experiences and working at Alchemy and being pregnant. I was able to connect with a lot of other women that were trying to stay active during pregnancy and didn't really know how to navigate that. And I got to be a resource for them. And that was really empowering to be like, you can keep working out because there's this common misconception. You get pregnant and it's like, sorry, you can't work out, but you actually can. And I think what's so cool right now is Robin Arzon, who's like head at Peloton is pregnant and like, people are like embracing it, but she's shared how she's gotten so much pushback from people. And the cases you can keep working out, you need to educate yourself. You need to work with someone that knows what they're talking about. And I've just learned so much about that in the past year. And so that made me want to pursue more within prenatal and postnatal fitness. And so I started to do that and Tierney approached me and was like, we should partner up. Like, I feel like there's something here. And we basically in November started working with this idea of, okay, what do we want to create? We want to create a space that is empowering to women, helps them to build confidence, connection, vulnerability. And we started coming up with ideas and we decided on the name embolden, which literally means to invigorate revitalize and build confidence from within. And so that's what we called our business. And essentially we're hosting fitness events for mamas, whether you're pregnant, trying to get pregnant, struggling with infertility, 
maybe you're adopting um, your postpartum, you've got older kids. It's like really for all different stages to just bring women together. And we're trying to put together a series of education with like PTs, chiropractic, acupuncture, OB, um, I'm trying to think just a lot of presenting information, connecting women together, sharing stories. We do a mama feature every Monday of people to share whatever they want about their experience through, we call it mamahood. And I don't know, it's been cool to just see that people just appreciate having another resource of people getting open and vulnerable in their experiences. And it's so rewarding. We did our first event on the 31st and I cried, like I was not planning to cry, (laughs) but, um, we, what we did was we worked out and then I like led them through kind of like a meditation of like, what are you feeling right now? Do you feel strong, proud, confident? Like what feelings are coming up after that workout? We did a strength training. And then it was like, with that, what are words that are coming up for you for the year 2021? Fear, like whatever it was like, that was coming up. Okay. What is the opposite of that? Like what words are like negatively impacting you in your look ahead to 2021 and what's the opposite confidence, strength, um, joy, happiness, whatever it was. And so then from there, we helped them to whittle down a list of like what they want to bring with them into 2021 and picking one word for how they want to navigate mamahood. And this one girl shared her story because she and she was like I wasn't planning to talk at all and then she shared and like I was just like overwhelmed with the fact that she felt comfortable enough to like share with all these women that she never met on a zoom and I started crying (laughs) and I was like I wasn't expecting this I'm sorry (laughs) and it was just so cool and Tierney and I like every day that we do something and when someone messages us we'll like text each other like oh my gosh we are literally doing this like this is happening we're starting a business and we're impacting people and it's just been really awesome I would encourage you uh to keep a photo album of like those messages to the extent you don't already have that Mm -hmm. of just like till you scroll back from time to time especially like at the points of discouragement uh, I think that's something that's like super special. I've, I've only recently started doing that. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's like, every time I have like a doubt, it'd be like, you just open that album and be like, all right, shut up yeah. voice of fear and doubt. You don't get a vote. Well, but, I think it goes back to two of just that reminder of it's about the impact. It's not about the numbers or things. It's, did you impact one person? I, I yeah. screenshot when someone messages me about the podcast or embolden, or when I share my recovery story, I always like save that and go back to it as a reminder of like where I've been and the impact that it's made just by sharing from where my story started. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. That's, uh, Connor, we should, I'm going to, we should reach back out to, What's his name? John. I feel terrible uh, that I don't remember his name. Give me more. The guy that the our first fan. Oh my gosh. Josh. I also feel no, no, dreadful. Stop. I, this is terrible. Joseph? No, that's not right. You sure? I felt pretty good <laughs> about that one. Joseph. <laughs> anyway we don't have to try to figure it out on the phone here but we will figure it out uh, 
Yeah, it was it was Joseph, not Yosef. Yeah, Joseph Stein. Yeah. Shout out to you, Joseph, if you're listening to this. Shout out to Joseph. Yeah, man, that one's. I need a screen. I'm screenshotting it right now. I just found the message you sent us. A 14 year old guy, a kid from Nebraska. I love that. Um, Isn't that funny though to like see like. It's like how do how do how does the podcast get to different avenues and things? Which that's what I also think is so cool is when I'm like looking at the demographic of it and yeah. like who listens. I'm like, oh, like I think I had like one person in Alaska, and I was like, oh, how did they find my podcast? <laughs> I, 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 honestly, he's like a huge John Bellion fan, so. I'm not sure if we had John Bellion in like the title of one of ours. Probably. But I think that's probably how he found us. Yeah. I, uh, I, I, to this day think that it was, there may have been an error in the statistic or like somebody has like their geo preferences all weird on their phone or something. But uh, according to the analytics, we've got a pretty regular listener from Dublin, Ireland. So I'm, <laughs> I'm here for it. I love that. I'm that is it. amazing, dude. Yeah. We, if you're listening to this one, we would love to come visit you. I've, uh, yes. I need to go visit Dublin so bad. It's Do on you golf? my list. Uh, ish. Ish or yeah. yes? I don't, I don't, I don't love it, but I will do it. Sure. I've just heard the golfing there is amazing. Mm. I'm more interested in like the, the Celtic uh, architecture, culture, that mm-hmm. type of stuff. I just the I, I'm writing an article on thin places right now. I think we've talked about this before, Connor. And um, I'm not sure if you know when I say thin place, Alex, if you know what I'm talking about. But the um, there's a lot of uh, like old ruins and like just ancient structures in general in Ireland. That combined with one of my fa- my like my favorite one of my favorite legends is the legend of King Arthur. And it's largely based off a lot of 11th century myths from like Celtic tradition. Mm-hmm. But and that's why you want to go to Ireland. Yeah. Not to mention, I just, I don't, there's something about like the Irish countryside that, I, that is, I've always wanted to like, it's so pretty. I think it's honestly, I think my obsession started when I, I think it's the movie PS. I love you. There's a scene. Mm, yes, that's where he's from. Yeah, there's a scene when they're like in they're like in this Irish townhome like in the countryside. And they like I think there's like a there's like a, shows like bars in like the Irish countryside but Yeah, and they're and like, like hanging the out. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, yes. Yes. Okay, I have a question for you. When okay. we can travel again? Like where where like is your first where is your first place you're going to go? first gallivant um yeah. I, I don't know um i was supposed to go sail with deb and louie if you remember them from alchemy oh my gosh yes yeah i was supposed uh. to go spend a month sailing with them this last summer like in the galapagos uh but obviously couldn't do that and then they had to go back up to north carolina mm. uh, but they're gonna start sailing again I really want to go see them wherever they are. Yeah. Um, They're amazing. I love them. Yeah, I love them too. So that's probably it. I mean, I want to go. 
I'm trying to think where else I want to go. I want to go to New Zealand at some point. Uh, real bad. Do it. Go. Like, it's the most amazing place in the entire world. I listen. I have no like. Just the fact alone that Lord of the Rings was filled there is enough. Filmed there was like enough for it to be the favorite, the, the coolest place in the world by default. But you have to go for like at least like minimum. And this is even like pretty minimum two weeks. I would say like minimum 15 days. Oh, I'm going to go for a month for sure. Yeah. I'm going to go for at least a month because that's one of both islands. Yeah. That's one of that. That's one of stop. That's one of the stops on Deb and Louie's trip. So Mm -hmm. what I'm, what I'm, what I want to do is it's going to take them six years to sail around the world. So I want to just go visit them once a year, wherever they are. Mm -hmm. And I'm Mm -hmm. tremendous. The one I have planned it for sure non-negotiable is whenever they're in New Zealand, I have to go, I have to go because apparently they have a friend in New Zealand that they're staying with. Nice. It was like probably, I mean, that's like the one place we, as a family, we went and my dad is one of those people that's like, once I've gone somewhere, I I don't want to go back. Like I want to just like keep going. And he's like, we, we got <laughs> to go. go back. Like, it's just like, it's amazing. And what I think is so cool is there's just like so much beauty and adventure and like the hiking there is just, I mean, it's so cool. We did not get to go where the Lord of the Rings was because mm-hmm. we spent most of our time on South Island for 12 days. And then my family left and just Jordan, myself and my parents went to the North Island, but we went like North on the North Island and that's yeah. South on the North Island. So that's kind of why my dad wants to go back is to yeah. see like the volcanoes and things that we didn't see. But yeah, it's the just natural beauty there is unlike anything. Mm. Mm. What's on yours? Where are you going to go? Mm. I know it's so hard. I, uh, I really want to just go. I really want to go to Africa. Like, mm. bless the rays down in africa <laughs> that would be like that would be like amazing i've never been my mom went and just said it was just a really incredible experience yeah um i also think um i'm having like the biggest brain fart right now why can't i think of like where they're like way more technologically advanced than us and they've got atlantis like, really that's the no. one no what is India? it like it no oh. uh are you talking about like like um where they're gonna have the world cup next like where it's like all of the oil money uh maybe gosh i'm having such a brain fart but my friend lived there and it's like all tall skyscrapers and it feels like you're like in the future and i really want to go and now i'm having a brain fart of what it what country it is but I'm sure I'll, I'll text her. She lived there for a little bit, so it will come back to me at some point, but it'll be the second we hit stop recording. It's going to come back to you. Probably. I know. I know. I Connor, where are you going to go, buddy? Uh, you're, you're going to find me in New Zealand, my friend. You're going to find me in New Zealand. We got, uh, we got aspirations to, to go as a fam, uh, New Zealand and Australia alike. Uh, and I also would love to go to Iceland. Have you never been? No. The only the only travel I've ever done outside of the United States is uh, Canada, I suppose, technically. Uh, and I went to Austria for like a week to play baseball when I was 
16. Um, right. I'd go to Reykjavik with you. Go back to the old Blue Lagoon. Super down. RIP, but I led the Alchemy Retreat there. Oh, <laughs> man, Alchemy Retreat. <laughs> and that was fun. Um, What's the thing? Yep. <laughs> I'm trying to figure out. Uh, I texted my friend because it's going to bother me. But uh, Reykjavik is, and like Iceland is so cool. If you go, you guys should go together and rent a van. And that's what my brother and I did after everyone from the retreat left. And then it's like a pop-up van, like a big white one. And there's a bed in it and like a stove. And you can just drive all the way around the island. Oh, I would love that. And it was just like, what was nice about it was you didn't really have to like plan like, oh, we have to drive X amount to get to our Airbnb. It was like, okay, how yeah. long do we want to drive? You do have to get to a camping spot. Like you can't just pull over on the side of the road, but there was like plenty of camping grounds. Really more flexible. Yeah. yeah. Yep. That's where I, that's where I spent my, uh, was my 22nd birthday. Yeah. I, I didn't go out on my 21st birthday because I turned 21 before all my friends, but then my 22nd birthday was in uh Reykjavik and by that point all of my friends were 21 and that was uh it it doesn't get dark and so that was like yeah the weirdest thing in the world isn't it uh it's it's one of those areas on the on the on the globe that there are portions of the year where it doesn't get dark at all and then there's portions of the year where there are no sunlight that's the situation when did you go uh, I went after my sophomore year of college. So like June. Yes. So I'm sorry. Yeah. It, it was like May. It was it was the end of May, start of June. Because so we were there in August, and it was really long um, nights. Like it would get oh. dark. Or wait, no, maybe it was the opposite. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Needless to say, I had a few teammates that got into some shenanigans, and so I have some pretty funny memories from that <laughs> did you see the northern lights at all we saw a little bit of them and that was amazing uh i we did not unfortunately we did go to the blue lagoon and like went to the observatory that had like where you can like see the pictures of all the things mm-hmm. but never got to experience them firsthand so it's not, i have to go back every time every time you say blue lagoon all i can think is goo lagoon <laughs> from spongebob if uh maybe i'm, I'm dating myself if you you're such that. a good you're such a big spongebob fan it i i love me so okay much. i think fi- i remember dubai <laughs> ah <laughs> dubai it's modern atlantis it's where <laughs> i don't know aliens live there but anyway <laughs> all right i need to i need to go eat friends yeah it's that time um uh uh we gotta ask we have, a, we have a question for you, Alex, before we leave. We do. Brain yes. on. Connor, um, Connor, do you want to ask it? I don't know that I've asked it before. I'm worried that I'm not going to do it. <laughs> Same way that, that nope. you You got it. It's all so you. Nervous. Alex, if, if for some unforeseen and unpredictable reason, the what you are about to say on the recording of this podcast is the only message that you could leave for Clara and any future children. What is it that you want her and potential future offspring to know? 
so hard. Um, and if it so gives cool. you time to think, you can also answer the question, are, do you and Jordan want more kids? I meant to ask you earlier. Mm, yes, we do want more children. <laughs> Boy. I, if God willing, we would love to have two. Three is like, three would be what I would love to have three kids if we're able to. Um, but yeah, it also depends. Like Clara is a saint baby, like, like very good. Mm. I was like an evil child. Like I needed a lot of attention. And so Jordan and I are very nervous that we're going to have like a second and they're going to be like, I was as a baby. And then we won't, we won't mentally be in that mindset of three, but I would love to have three kids. I think that would be really fun. As a third child, you should have speaking as a third child, you should have three. And we, I, I'm from three and Jordan's from three. So Mm. Yeah. Um, but that oh, fear of like the, the outnumbered, like being outnumbered, I'm like, oh god, just having her like she can walk now is exhausting. It's yeah. like, oh my gosh, because she wants to be everywhere. So yes, we would love to have more kids. My my I think the reason I love three is there's the verse in the Bible, it's that a cord of three strands is not easily broken. Mm-hmm. I think that's mm-hmm. why there's something about the number three. It's always been my favorite number, but hmm. Yeah, like a really strong tie. They use yeah. that at weddings too. Yeah, 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 yeah. <laughs> it's also the tale. It's the the fable of the three brothers. We don't need to talk about it right now, but it's the Captain Stitch. That is the the Roan logo, Connor. Is oh, that's the tale. That? Yeah, it's the tale of three brothers where the father comes to the three brothers, hands them a bundle of sticks, and basically, or sorry gives them each uh, like sticks separately and says, break these sticks. They break them. And then he hands them a bundle and they can't break them. And it's his whole thing of like separately. Uh, you are easily broken together. Mm. Stronger mm. effectively. I just butchered that fable, but anyway, the, the, the take home is there. Yeah. Yes. I, we, we, I understood where you were going. With Do that. we stall enough for you, Alex? I, I mean, I, I'm ready. I came prepared. Okay. Um, All right. All right. So yeah, there's a lot of things I would love to say. First, I love you. <laughs> nice. Um, and then I think like for me, just this last year has been so transformational in me figuring out who I am. And it kind of ties back to what you're talking about at the beginning of like your truest self and like why I was, why I am where I am in my life. Like I feel like, this past year, like all the pieces came into place and I felt like all of my life experiences and like becoming a mom, getting sober, all those things like prepared me for like this year of like showing up as myself. And so I think what I would want my kids to know is like, it can feel really scary to be your authentic self and that society and culture can put a lot of pressure on you to be someone that you're not, but as much as you can, like push that aside and look within yourself and listen to your heart and who you want to be and who you feel at your, like how you feel at your best and not caring what other people think, or if it's going against the norm, like do what's going to fill up your cup the most, because at the end of the day, it's your life. It's nobody else's and you're the one that has to live it. Uh, speaking as a a um a child beneficiary of a father who uh 
did the very hard work to break um, a pattern of what could have easily been a pattern of alcohol alcoholism passed on to me. Mm-hmm. Like, thank you on behalf of Clara. Uh, I, I know how big, how much that changed my trajectory. Uh, so I, don't ever want you to underestimate the power of that ripple in and of itself. Thank you. Yeah. I think, yeah, I am leading a virtual book club right now for the book quit like a woman. And I am very grateful for my sobriety and the fact that I'm able to be like my best version for Clara and Jordan and my family and friends and they don't ever have to like they worry but like not in the way that they used to about me and I'm like so grateful that I took an opportunity to make a change um when a lot of people I think uh I I think what's hard with um drinking is a lot of people feel like well if I'm not getting arrested or I'm not getting a DUI they don't have to evaluate their relationship with alcohol and what I'm like realizing as a culture that's how we view it is like so black and white like you're an alcoholic or you're non-alcoholic but like there actually is like this in between and you can make a change in your relationship with that sooner than later and I'm grateful that I did because like for me I did reach a point where I was like this is not this is not who I want to be, but I never had that situation with like a DUI or getting arrested or anything like that. I just chose to make a change before it got to that point. And it's yeah. been like the best thing ever to happen to me. The, this is my, my, uh, and then I, I'll let you go. I promise that I, I had never thought about it this way, but like part of the reason it's a, like, they're like called spirits is because of this idea that like it was it was uh generally thought that like your consumption of it would possess you with the spirit mm. but mm. i've honestly thought i've started to think about it more and more to your point about how it's not black and white it is more of a spectrum and like it's this realization that like okay i can choose to like drink or have a few drinks but i have to understand that by choosing to do that i'm paying for it in like mm-hmm. future speed I, I i've started thinking about it of like spirit it's like the same mm-hmm. like when i'm drinking a, a spirit mm-hmm. alcohol what i'm doing is i'm sacrificing my future reserves uh and so it's like whether it's tomorrow or whatever and so like i can i can make that decision but it's like make it knowing that what you're doing is sacrificing mm-hmm. like your future self mm-hmm. i so what i've I got sober through AA, but what I've loved about this book, Quit Like a Woman, she actually founded this new modern online recovery. And what she says is like, instead of being like, am I an alcoholic or am I not an alcoholic? It's like, is alcohol prohibiting me from living my best life? Mm. Like, are you waking up feeling crappy? Are you sleeping through stuff? Are you like not following through on your promises? Like, how is it impacting you? And like, what is that relationship? And is it prohibiting you from living your best life. And if you say yes, then it's like, okay, maybe you do look at your relationship with alcohol and it doesn't mean you have to identify as a label. Instead, you can just recognize like, this isn't contributing to the life that I want to live and reevaluating it from there. And that's what I think has been 
so eye-opening to me because I do go to AA and I like, like I'll say like, I'm Alex, I'm an alcoholic. But when I started reading that book, I was like, wow, this is something that I've always resonated with because for me saying I'm an alcoholic, like I've just always done it. And I had never thought of it like being any other way because I knew I had like, when I drank, it didn't work for me. Um, and I didn't understand that you could do something else. And this woman created this whole new program of like, you might not have to identify with that label, but you recognize it's alcohol is stopping you from living your best life and you want to make a change. And I just think that's a cool way to modernize, especially in a society that alcohol is like so prevalent in what we do and as a social like means that it helps to like, look at it in a different way of like, well, I'm not an alcoholic, but I do recognize that it is impacting the life that I want to live. And maybe I do look at how am I drinking and when is it showing up in my life? Yeah. The, uh, I know I said last, last thing last time, (laughs) but that the other, the other thing, and I know that Connor, we've talked in the past about this idea that like how much we live generally in a world that tries to cure spiritual problems through medicinal ways or like um through the masking of certain things through the consumption of whether it's pills or alcohol or whatever and it's i've almost started to view like and how i've realized it is because i've i've noticed that like if i have any more than like two drinks i love to write and like because of the level of thinking i i like requires me to do if i have more than a few drinks I can't think the way I want to think like mm-hmm. the next day to like be able to write something that I want to write. And I hate it. <laughs> oh my God, that scared the crap out of me. <laughs> that's very funny. Oh, uh, that's very funny. Um, oh, that was great. That was great. <laughs> I wish we had videos so that people could that see that. scared the crap out of me. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, but um, I guess all I'm trying to say is that it's like I, I've come to very much view I, I will still have like a few drinks here and there, but I very much have come to view it as like a, like I, ha- I can't, I to the extent I'm drinking to forget something or mask something. That's always the question I have to ask myself because mm-hmm. it's like, I very much think that like generally, I think to your point about living your best life, I think it's like, alcohol can very quickly become a substitute for meaning and so when we feel like we're not filling our lives with meaningful things we fill it with something else what that something else is is Mm -hmm. like alcohol or it could it could be it could be something it could be like an absorbent amount of caffeine like everybody has different yeah it could everybody has their own coping mechanism yeah Mm -hmm. it's just um anyway uh, I don't even know where I was going with that, but for some reason I felt the need to get that off my chest. <laughs> well, I think it's just a matter of looking at like, why am I choosing to pick up this drink tonight? Like, is it because I think it's going to help me feel less stressed? Is it yeah. going to help me feel better? Or, you know, just like recognizing, like, are you, are you going to get what you want out of it? Like, is this going to actually relieve my stress or is it just going to like make me feel good for a little bit, but then actually after I'm going to feel more stressed because Mm. I'm not sleeping as well or X, Y, and Z. Yeah. Yeah. I I could, 
I can talk about this. All yeah, day, yeah, so yeah. Next, next time. Next time <laughs> to be continued. That's right. Um, all right. Well, I appreciate you coming on, Alex. Uh, this is long overdue. Um, I'm excited. I'm not a mom myself, obviously, but uh, I'll continue. Uh, if I if I run into any moms that need emboldening, I'll pass yes, them, I'll pass them way. your way. <laughs> right to Al. Uh, yes. Thank you guys so much. It was so fun just chatting and connecting, and I'm excited to listen. Yeah. All right. Um, lest I forget the last thing, uh, we I sign off every podcast with my favorite Latin phrase, and it's uh, let there be light in Latin. And so with that, I say, Fiat Lukes. Bye. Thank you.